Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hi, I'm Nikila Croce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck. On today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Bindi Height, and Bindi and I became fast friends when we realized we share very similar philosophical and ethical beliefs, which really shouldn't have surprised me because Bindi is the creator and host of the Ethical Evolution podcast and the Ethical Change Agency, and the podcast is mission-driven to tap into the human spirit, soul, and global connection between people who are determined to create a collective, lasting, and meaningful change in the world. So I am so glad that we met Bindi, and I'm really excited for listeners to be able to share this conversation with us. So welcome to the show. Oh my God, you introed that so well. I sound so amazing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's easy when the when you have somebody who is so amazing, it's very easy to do the introduction um, to, to reflect that. I really feel like your energy comes, um, you know, tenfold when you enter a conversation and it really helps drive the meaning behind the conversations that we are having. So I'm very happy to sing your praise because I've witnessed it personally. Oh, thank you. And look, I am so grateful to be your fast friend on the other side of the world. Um, and uh, hopefully uh, we will meet in person one day. I, I think it's just a matter of time now. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I, it's not a hope. It's it's just a matter of when for sure. Yeah. It's interesting because over time, I feel like I've evolved to really acknowledge and recognize friendships more quickly without that fear, hesitation of somebody might think that I'm too much. And this week mm -hmm. has been just a massive reflection of that ownership of who I am and the type of relationships that I want to build and people who are also in that same space of receiving friendships and growing them. Because I've had a couple of, you know, meetings with podcast guests that I've had um, and actually been able to, you know, integrate in three dimensions and be able to say, Hey, it's not just a face to a name, but it's actual physical, actually a physical being. And you get to share that energy and mm -hmm. really relate a little bit more on such a visceral level when you actually are in the same space with someone. So I'm certain that that time will come. And when it does, it will be, um, well, frankly, I'm concerned for anybody who has to be around us because it's going to be an energetic <laughs> anomaly it's just going to be explosive i'm sure but it, in the best possible way yeah it's i think that i think the world might tilt a little bit yeah um, <laughs> I, uh, yeah i just love uh catching up with you because the energy like it's it's just effortless you know it's totally. just I joked the other day that we we're sharing the same brain i just love the magic that we create together every time we chat so absolutely and Likewise, and we've been lucky to be able to do that. You had me as a guest on your show and that episode will be coming out and I'm excited to share that with people. But today we're going to chat a little bit more about your side of the story and really how you've become who the fuck you are, which I think mm. is an exciting journey to go on. You took this really vulnerable journey. Um, now, I can't say that I know for sure this is when it really started, but you had another podcast prior to the ethical, excuse me, ethical, eth well, I can't say it ethical evolution. And it was really about your story. And mm -hmm. so when I started listening to that, you dive 
pretty quickly into a moment of transformation that happened for you going through sort of a collision of difficult times in a very short moment. And you speak about the importance of trusting ourselves and understanding who we are and really getting to a place about self-respect and using that to propel you forward aligned with your purpose. So can you share a little bit about how you got to, I mean, really how you got to the moment where you felt like the, I guess, catalyst for that transformation occurred? Yeah. And so much had happened prior to that. You know, I, I had reached a stage of, um, where I I knew I needed to heal some stuff, you know, like to give some context, I had a, a pretty rough childhood. I had a lot of illness. I was bullied a lot when I got older and got into relationships. I ended up bankrupt. I came out in my mid twenties, um, which as we all know, is a life-changing thing, Um, particularly, you know, when you'd been in relationships with men that were, that you thought were, you know, this is what I meant to do. And then, uh, and then you have this epiphany, like, oh no, that's not who I am. And that's why this isn't working. And then to realize that you still got issues underneath that relationship wise. And you know what? The issue was you. And then you're like, oh, okay. Well, great. Now I have to deal with that. (laughs) Now I'm going to deal with me because mm-hmm. uh, I'm stuck with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so there was that. Before uh, coming out, uh, I was in a, a very uh, abusive relationship with a man uh, that resulted in the bankruptcy and my grandmother died at the same time. So it was all these things, you know, compounded and it was just like you, f- you just felt like the world fell out from under you. And, um, you know, and there were so many things you had to deal with in that space to get through it. Um and then, you know, I sat with myself uh, for a while and, you know, sort of listened to who I really was. And, um, you know, that was it when I came out. But um, years after, you know, I got through all of this stuff and I started to pick myself up again. And then um, when I started to get my life back together, I sort of sat and listened to myself and I kind of went, okay, so what do, what do I really want to do now? And so uh, I started the podcast. I'd been in radio before, so I knew all the recording stuff. I knew all that stuff. But the technical side of it, taught myself all of that. No one taught me, you know, I'm very tech savvy like you and um, worked it all out for myself. Uh, Next minute, I've got a podcast. And it was called The State of You. And um, back then, I scripted everything. So it was like a blog that I turned into a podcast. So I was writing this blog and then I'd record it and then I'd just point people to it. And so uh, that first episode, I was like, okay, where do I start? And it was like my story. And it was during that moment when I was writing the blog and recording it that I was like, okay, so I'm telling people all of these things that happened all the times I've fucked up, you know, like, why am I telling everybody all these negative, wrong things that have happened to me? Like, what is the purpose in it? And I just sat in that for a minute and I listened. And the message that came through was because it's not about the fall. It's about getting back up again. Definitely. And that was the theme through everything that happened. You know, I was a bit like Nemo, just keep swimming. But I... (laughs) I got back up again and, and like, oh, there's a joke in the, that episode. It's a bit like a trampoline. You can't have the up without the down. You can't have the light without the dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that if you don't get up, there's no tomorrow. And You're so right. I was like, 
got to get up, got to keep on going. And if I didn't, we wouldn't be here right now. A lot of people can relate to that. I know certainly I can. And what you said about you can't have the up without the down really resonates because it took me getting through two seasons of my podcast, the loss of my mom and also leaving an abusive relationship at the time that I lost my mom unexpectedly. So we have a very sort of similar unraveling in some of those aspects of our lives that forces you to look at everything that you're doing and the people around you and the decisions that you're making. And I also was able to see with such clarity that it was about the resilience. Every story that anybody told on the podcast was what happens when you prioritize your own well-being? What happens when you come back from the things that pull you down? You don't have to stay down. And I would say through my experience, what became really clear to me was, especially after being with somebody who perpetuated a victim mentality, was you have to make the choice. You will be living, most likely, no matter what. So do you want to live in a state of ongoing misery and blame the world for everything that's happened? And yes, sometimes bad things happen and they're other people's faults or or it happened because of something you couldn't control. And that's total shit. I'm not going to act like it's not. And at the same time, you have to ask yourself if you can't if you can't pull yourself out of that in some way and it largely requires support. You can't do it by yourself. You need to first and you said this in one of your episodes, be self-aware enough and willing to do the work. But you also need to solicit help from other people. And that can be really hard when you're in a place of uncertainty or feeling disoriented. And so when you see people who are just kind of like, well, that's the hand I was dealt. It's like, yes, but we're all dealt shitty hands sometimes. And it's not about whose is worse. It's about what do you do when that happens? And so I found your uh, story so inspirational because you speak a lot about having those moments of clarity where it's like nobody else is going to help me if I don't help me. So if I'm going to get my life on track and do things that I want to do and feel purposeful and fulfilled, then I need to decide what that looks like and then I can figure out how to grow that. And so it definitely felt really similar to some revelations that I had had throughout the process. And incidentally, it was also going through that motion of creating a podcast because I had started writing a blog called Who the Fuck Am I? and asking myself that question and realizing that I don't want it to be a one-way conversation. I want to invite people in and I want to not only figure out who I am through the lens that I am experiencing the world, but I want to ask other people how they became who they are and I want to understand myself better by having those conversations with people and opening my mind to the possibilities and I feel like from what I listened to, you sort of had a similar path where you were starting to understand the importance of your own mental and physical well-being combined with the power of actually allowing people in to help you move through those harder moments. Mm, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think it was around that time just after I started the podcast, I went to, um, <clears throat> I went down to Tasmania for what I called a, a bucket list holiday. And it was there that I discovered meditation and I really started to, that transformation. And I can remember I was driving around in this hire car listening to my own podcast. <laughs> I was like, ooh, look at me. I spent time alone in like 
World Heritage Wilderness just by myself, just writing and getting all this stuff out that is now in that podcast. And, you know, I just, I did things I would never do, um, like driving um, sand buggies off two-story high, um, like sand dunes and, you know, riding in Harley sidecars and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But it was, I don't know, I felt this life is for living. Get up and live it. Well, you know, I'm so glad that you said that because you had made the comment a couple of times in your podcast that oftentimes we are we are not human beings. We are human doings. And so it's yeah. like this idea that we focus so much on what we have to do, what we have to get done, the tasks that are at hand and the responsibilities that we feel because of the way the world is and the inherent need to be actively doing things to be able to accomplish what you want in life and ultimately get, I guess, whatever it is that we've been convincing ourselves we want in some sort of material way. And in doing that, we can often sidestep what we actually really want viscerally and we start to lose sight of that connectivity to ourselves, which it sounds like you're describing in a sense of needing that sense of adventure, needing that sense of freedom and being able mm. to give yourself the opportunity to do that. Because in order to have that feeling of freedom, in order to create those opportunities, you have to pause for a second and ask yourself if what you're doing right now is actually what you want to be doing. And if you don't want to be doing that, what else would you be doing? And I think a lot of people are afraid to ask that question. I was afraid to ask that question. I didn't want mm. the answers I was going to give myself. But if you don't, have that curiosity about what possibilities there are, you're not going to take those chances. Do you feel that way in your own experience? Yeah, that is a really great reflection. And there's two things that, you know, come out of what you've just said. And one is when I was 19, I went through a lot of personal development kind of stuff and really got into like Tony Robbins and, you know, Wayne Dyer and all those kind of people. I actually met Wayne Dyer, I think when I was 20 and he gave me the biggest hug, like he was the most amazing man. And he actually says that phrase we're a human being not a human doing yeah and so back then when I was 19 I had all of this wisdom and I don't know I kind of let it go and I let all the shit happen and then I came back 20 years later and went oh yeah I remember all this it actually means something <laughs> well it's interesting because it's almost like I think about moments that I've had in therapy where it's like you you rationally know things and mm until you have the life experience to understand the emotional impact of some of those things that you rationally understand, you might not benefit from that knowing, right? Like you have to find the combination of what you're hearing and the things that you can understand about it with the context of your own life experience at that point. It's like the whole hindsight's 2020 because you sort of look back on those moments. I think about this myself so often where it's like, I knew and I understood that I knew, but I didn't have the context that would help me avoid it or change the decisions I was making because you needed the down to have the up, right? So it's like you're in that learning process. And it's one of those things where I was just having this conversation with my wife, Nicole, about how, you know, you look at these younger generations and you see a lot of them really evolved emotionally. And I'm just elated about that mm. because I feel like it's so important for humanity. And at the same time, while there's a lot that they understand, there are certain things where you can be as emotionally mature as you are and you're 
probably, honestly, a lot of them are probably more emotionally attuned than many, many people who are older than them. But the life experience combined with that emotional awareness is what sort of becomes that full framework of emotional maturity and emotional intelligence. You have the bits and pieces, but you're still going to need to live some of your life. You can be a very smart, younger person with a lot of emotional intelligence, but your lived experience is also going to dictate how you apply that to your life and how you show up in the world and how other people perceive those aspects of who you are and how you perceive yourself. So it, I think it's a unique combination of like the carts a little before the horse sometimes when you have mm. that information and you don't know how to use it. And it makes me laugh, you know, uh, these 20 year olds that become life coaches and write their memoir. I'm like, you haven't even lived yet. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, most of them haven't. I mean, there's the rare occasion, right, where you have younger people who have, I mean, they've lived life and you're like, I don't even understand. I don't, I don't get it. You must have lived five lifetimes before this to have this type of wisdom. <laughs> but it is a lot of people, I think, really learning to check in with themselves now, whereas so much of what we were taught as a society was you need to keep going no matter what's happening. And I feel like to some degree, yes. And also you need to understand what that means for you and your overall well-being. And, and you touch on that a lot in terms of mindfulness. And you had made a comment um, about you get what you set. And so mm. if you if you continuously sort of see yourself in this pattern of bad behavior or poor decision-making or whatever it is that we want to call it, um, questionable life choices is a phrase that I use often. And, <laughs> you know, it's like, we have to stop for a moment and and really evaluate if the path that we're on is the path that we want to remain on. And what you do a great job of in just being who you are and the questions that you raise in your podcast, it, it's really bringing people to a place of, are you happy with where you're at? Are you getting what you want out of life? And, you know, you had mentioned how spirituality and meditation became instrumental in that. And I know we've had conversations in listening to podcasts as well around sort of the impact of holistic healing and things like that. So can you share a little bit more about how that culmination of things has helped give you a better sense of self and also allowed you to take that knowledge and share that with your audience and the people around you to help them grow? Yeah, I guess part of my healing and evolution, I did two years of sound healing where I really got into all the stuff that was stuck in, in my emotional body and my physical body. And it totally transformed me, just the way I reacted, how I dealt with life. And it was during that time, because a lot of that is, it is a meditative state. I, I was doing coaching with people and it was more like business coaching. And um, one of my clients who I now do a podcast with uh said to me like you you're not a business coach you don't deal with people's business you deal with their psyche and it was then that I went oh yeah <laughs> and then I went and got a diploma and became a, a spiritual coach and people were like oh what are you religious now I'm like no 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 that's not what this is being a spiritual coach it's helping people to connect with themselves it's to find their purpose it's to like I, I say I'm the spiritual Maria Kondo because I help you find your joy um so, I love it. I love it. um you know it's it's really just 
finding yourself, finding your voice, because there's so many people who are going through life who are so disconnected, so disconnected, not only with themselves, but with everyone around them. They're just not conscious. They're going through life, but they're not in it. And they don't listen to themselves. They don't understand what's going on in this meat suit that they're in um, and how they can connect to a higher power and actually understand that, you know, we are all miracles and we are all energy. I could I could bang on about this for hours. But um, the other part of it that I did was I then went on to become a Ho'oponopono practitioner, which is a Hawaiian um, healing prayer. It was really interesting because mm. I randomly stumbled upon that the other day on social media, and I don't think you and I had even talked about it. So can you <laughs> elaborate on that? I'm sure you were about to, but I needed to acknowledge the weird alignment with the way life is going that that came up. And, and why would it have? I don't this know. This happens to us every day. Um, <clears throat> so, um, one, and you know, like what we've just been talking about it, it perfectly aligns with Ho'oponopono because, um, uh, Dr. Hugh Len, who came up, well, who teaches this with Dr. Joe, Joe Vitale, um, uh, he always says, you know, um, whenever there's a problem, the common denominator is always you, you're always there. And I looked at that and I went, uh-huh. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and so the whole principle behind Ho'oponopono is your world is you so it's not someone else it's not their problem it's you everything in your world is you and everything that comes to you you create it everything that happens to you you create it um good or bad um what you're putting out you're getting back so it's yeah. um you know, this the as you may have seen in whatever you saw on Ho'oponopono, there's the the four phrases that are in the prayer, and there's no no hard and fast rules around this. You can just do half of it. You can do the whole thing. It's really whatever you connect with. But um, basically, the four phrases are: uh, "I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you," um, and you basically keep saying that over and over and over, and that's what they call cleaning. So what you're doing is you're cleaning this data from from your mind and clearing your world. So Dr. Hugh Len, uh, back in the day, when he started this practice, he was working in um, uh, a mental hospital in Hawaii. They ended up closing the ward down because everyone was healed. Like they were criminally insane. That's what the post was about. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. how, how did, how, what happened? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it really goes to show the power of connection both with ourselves and with others because obviously like you said you can establish what works for you I'm sure it has a lot to do with consistency and the belief with which you are saying it to yourself and really evolving with that and it's also just being invited to that and becoming aware that that's an option I can relate in a way because I've been listening to like a lot of affirmations and sleep hypnosis and things to just, I started this when I lost my mom and I was really struggling with sleep and I was lacking a sense of connectedness before that because of my last relationship and that was even before my mom passed away and I started getting more into listening to Alan Watts and Zen Buddhist um, practices and just sort of understanding the impermanence of things. And so I started leaning more into gratitude. And yesterday I 
just picked up one of the whiteboard markers and started writing and was like, I am accepting of constructive feedback. I am always improving. I am proud of all I've accomplished. I love the person I am and I'm grateful for all of the love in my life. And I wrote them in front of my face so I would see them all day and just be conscious of that instead of feeling the anxiety that I will receive constructive feedback, instead of feeling the shame that I might not be perfect at everything, which nobody is, right? It's like just giving yourself the space to be and to understand that you can simultaneously be improving and also grateful and satisfied with where you are. And I feel like that's a really powerful understanding to have of yourself. And it sounds like this practice is something that can help you get to that through those four phrases. Yeah. And I mean, um, you know, since the creation of it, you know, Dr. Joey Vitale's written a whole heap of books and, I, and I'm not here to <laughs> endorse him, but I, I actually really love his work. But um, one of his books is called At Zero. Like the goal basically is to to get your your mind and your spirit to zero. So there's none, none of this noise, none of this beliefs and, you know, all of these blockages we create for ourselves. If you could even imagine that getting yourself to a point of what they call at zero, like where there's nothing, like just nothing. It makes me think of inbox zero, like trying to get, I'm like, my email definitely will never be, but maybe spiritually I could get there. I feel like I actually have a better chance of that because not as much spam, you know? (laughs) Well, if you can block the spam, you've got a chance. (laughs) It's a really good way of looking at it. Um, But yeah, it's, uh, it's so powerful if you are consistent in your effort. It's really about, you know, intention and consciousness and just being self-aware enough you know someone wise once said and I can't remember who it was um that it's not the event but it's how we react to it that matters yep and that's all this is it's our reaction and our result yeah it couldn't be more true and do you feel that through your own hardships especially sort of those pivotal moments that you mentioned leaving an abusive relationship and losing your grandmother at the same sort of collision point. Do you feel like that was a moment of self-realization for you where you tuned in more to what you were feeling than you had before that sort of propelled that evolution? Or do you feel like you were trending that direction and that was the thing that finally pushed you full force into it? I, I think at those crossroads, I was nowhere near ready for transformation. I was broken. I was broken at that point. It was the rock bottom and it was me trying to climb out the other side just just to to find normal, whatever the hell that is. So I was nowhere near the epiphany that I needed. I was down in the bottom at that point and I was looking for that trampoline to get back up again. You just reminded me of something that I had said frequently when my personal Armageddon, as I refer to it, occurred, which was... I was given a violent shove into the present moment. I didn't have a choice but to deal with what was happening. It was not an option. I had to leave the relationship that I was in. I knew I had to leave for such a long time, but that's the challenge with any sort of abuse, right, is on average it takes somebody seven times to leave, and that's just really shitty. And so that had been going on for years psychologically. Then I left, went back um, east during the middle of the pandemic to be with my family 
during which time my mom really suddenly passed away. I was grateful that I was where I was when it happened. I was with my sister. So like, I didn't have to worry about flying cross country. And I, I mean, I honestly can't even fathom that. So I don't even need to think about it. It's like, thank God. And then when I was finally at the point where I was ready to come back to Seattle, my ex violently assaulted me. And the last interaction that we had face to face was me being like, you need to leave the house. Her telling me, you can't kick me out. And I'm like, you just assaulted me. Like, you've got to go. And realizing that I had no other option. The only thing that I could do, whether it was because there needed to be, like, a protection order or just because the universe was like, you got to get the fuck out of this situation, it was like, there is no, like, alternative option here. Your mom died. Your ex is abusive like you need to figure some shit out and it was like how can you be more disoriented your entire life just blew up and you're standing there sort of like what like what just happened it's like whiplash from the sudden absurdity almost of it the surreal state that you're in at that point and then just going okay well my life's never going to be the same so I may as well just start over <laughs> and try to figure it out from here. And so you have all this past and the learnings from that and the pain from that. And you touch on this in your podcast as well, where it's like, you need to acknowledge that pain to be able to understand that you need to heal and to be able to grow from that healing journey. And it is really hard when you're at rock bottom and you feel like, Probably in a lot of ways, nobody understands. I know for me, there was a lot of shame associated with the circumstance of leaving the relationship that I was in. And so trying to figure out how to deal with that myself and then invite people in to help me through that was really daunting. Mm -hmm. But as you get through the hardest parts, what I always try to reinforce to people who are going through really difficult times is right now, this is the worst of it. Because if you're at that place where you like, you know, like you need to change something and there's no option but to change it, focus your energy on what that means. And even if it's just step by step, little by little, carve that out for yourself and move in that direction. And I think you touch on that really beautifully in the way you articulated your own story. And I admire that because it's A, not easy to do and B, it's not that easy to talk about. Mm, yeah. And, you know, like when I put that story out, I was like, oh, God. I've said things in here I've never said before. Mm -hmm. Are people going to come after me with pitchforks? No, no one gave a shit, really. But now, all these years later, I can use it as a tool to show where things started and where they are now. It blows my mind um, how similar our experiences have been. Um, like, no doubt, you would remember in that episode where I talk about um, <laughs> nearly losing my face in an altercation with this guy. He... Uh, just to give you context, was trained in martial arts um, in Muay Thai, kickboxing. He was twice the size of me. He was like six foot four um, and he had this souped up car and, you know, after we'd been evicted from um, a rental property uh, because he wasn't paying the rent and we ended up homeless in a motel for I don't know how many days and I'm trying to keep my work life together and everything, I had to tell my parents. I had to come clean and go, 
hey, um, can we stay in grandma's house? Grandma had just passed and I was like, that's the worst thing I could ever ask. But we ended up moving in there and it was in her driveway. He was in his souped up car and I was fuming. I was like ready to tear shreds off him. And I went up to the passenger side door and I opened it and we were having this argument. I can't even remember the words that came out of my mouth to this day, but he threatened basically to rearrange my face in that moment. And like you, I froze in this state of trauma. And I was just like, there's this debate going on in my head. I'm like, do I do it? Do I not? You know, like when you have this fuck it moment, like you're like, I mean, yeah, just do it. (laughs) Or you're like, "Mm, hmm, this feels like it's, it was like, it was like a pause in a movie and you're just like narrating and you're going, "Mm, I have two options here. And this really feels like it's a moment that's life changing. So Mm. think carefully. No, (laughs) and so it's happening in a split second too. Yes. You're totally right. The way you described it, it really, your slow motion playing it out the way mm. you do in like a movie scene. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I've made that decision. This is the direction it's going. Yeah. And luckily I made the right decision. And I, I, I do remember I said, you're not worth it. I just screamed at him. You're not worth it. Get the fuck out of here. And I slammed the door and he just took off mm-hmm. and my parents were there and they saw the whole thing. So he was prepared to go at me in front of my parents. And I swear to God, if he'd have done that. Well, that's also super telling by the way, because yeah. There was clearly no hesitation on the side of um, my ex either. It was really a revelation about how little concern there was ever for my well-being, but Mm. particularly to say to me, I'll do whatever you need to support you after losing your mom, da-da-da-da, never mind the fact that likewise – funneling money, not doing things with it, using it for drugs, crashing my cars, all sorts of shit. And it's like, she had me pinned to the ground at one point by my neck. She was in a towel. She chased me outside and she pinned me to the ground. And I just remember this look in her eyes, like, like, I don't care. And I thought, I'm, so glad that I got out of that situation because all I could think was this has Netflix true crime documentary written all over it. <laughs> Honestly, it was like, it took me a really long time to acknowledge the fact that I'm not saying that she was trying to kill me, but I'm saying I could have been killed. And that was like, this is not my life. It all of a sudden for me, I don't know if this is what it was like for you, but it like clicked. It was like, this is not my life. And when you said you're not worth it, like that's the thing that went through my head. Like, this is your shit, not mine. Like, I'm not doing it anymore. I don't have to do it. And so it's really empowering, even in those moments of deep trauma, to be able to recognize that you you had a line that wouldn't be crossed and you drew it and you stuck to it. And that's something to be really proud of. And it's definitely taken me work to acknowledge that for myself. And even just saying it now, being able to say it to you and about that circumstance, it's like further acknowledgement to myself and be like, yes, correct. Like reiterate that in your own brain now. And I think, you know, something that you touched on a moment ago was that the shame um, behind this, you know, like when you invite other people in to help. I was the same when I had to reach out to my parents and admit all the things had gone to shit. And uh, a good friend of mine says, nothing grows in secrets and shame. Nothing grows in the darkness. So 
you, until you acknowledge the elephant in the room, it's not going to move. If you can't at least acknowledge what's happened and have the guts to say, I need help. It's just going to get worse. <laughs> well, and it's so interesting too to think about it that way because that was a big part of what I was trying to do to help my ex because she had a lot of trauma and I was constantly trying to figure out ways to assist. And it is so much about somebody will not do something if they don't want to do it. They might not want to do it because they're comfortable with the discomfort. They might not know how to do it and feel uncomfortable with the idea of having to start over or do something differently than they've done. But when you talk about self-awareness and you speak a lot about self-respect as well, it's like, who do I want to be? And in those moments, I feel like you're so challenged to decide who you are because I think about the life that I lived up until the point when I met this person and I reflect on the 12 years that we were together. It was less than that in terms of like pre-divorce, but like the 12 year time lapse of events and every single year there was at least one like pretty traumatic event that would occur and it just got progressively worse and worse and worse towards the end. And finally I was at this point where I was like, I'm going to actually like I physically can feel it that I'm going to have a heart attack and I'm like not even 34. I was like, I'm I'm going to have a heart attack. The anxiety is so consistent that I couldn't sleep. I've talked about this a couple of times in the last few days. I wasn't dreaming because I had no psychological energy left that it was like when you sleep, you shut down entirely because that's the only way you have any sort of solace. And so when you make the decision to exit a situation like that, you don't necessarily have the immediate relief, but as you start to go through that healing process, for me, it was, it was as if I had a hand clenched around, like my heart is what it felt like, just super, super tight. And it was like slowly loosening. And then eventually it was like, oh my gosh, like I can breathe again. I can feel the inner calm that I honestly didn't even know existed anymore. Was that at all your experience or what was your experience? Oh, yeah. And I think what you're touching on there, Nick, is the the thing that you and I were trying to do was rescue someone, mm -hmm. you know. We were both trying to rescue someone when, in truth, we should have been rescuing ourselves. Oh, a thousand percent. And then when you finally do, look at what you're capable of. I feel like yeah. my life took off and it was like what was I doing holding myself back for so long yeah and when you can let go of all that because all this emotion gets stored in our body mm -hmm. and if we don't deal with that that becomes a physical thing like a physiological thing and that's how disease comes about if we don't deal with this stuff and we don't face these demons then yeah we've got a a, a very uncertain future um, so look at us now in the healing that we've done and the difference that we're making for others because of what we've been through. And I guess, you know, we can reflect on it and go, well, if we hadn't been through what we have, could we be doing this right now? I can tell you the answer is no, at least not to this extent. I feel like based on the way that you and I are as people and our desire to connect and feel that, you know, that's some sort of growth and 
um, ability to drive change would probably exist. But I think the conviction that we both have around the importance of that and not just our own healing or ability to make change, but the fact that both of us align so much on the need for it to be collective, it gets to something that Nicole and I were talking about earlier, which was you look at these people who are world leaders, right? Who are the equivalent of toddlers stomping their feet because they're not getting what they want. And it's like, what's going on? What's unhealed in your emotionally Mm -hmm. immature self that is manifesting as extreme violence or chaos or just being a tyrant? It is fascinating once you understand the psychological and to your point, very much the physiological components of that, how you start to sort of like untangle and assess things that you see around you, whether that's at a global scale or personal or within your like ecosystem of people that are in your life. And it's so much easier, I find, to have an objective view on things because in my experience to have self-awareness, you have to get to a place of pretty radical objectivity. Otherwise, you're going to constantly make excuses for not doing things that you should do. And it sucks. Like, I'm not going to lie. I I don't like to commit too much to routine. I like to give myself time to just do what I want or sleep in or whatever. But what I've found out is instead of pressing snooze 46 times, what's good for me is press snooze once maybe and then promise myself that I'm going to wake up with a meditation and then when that meditation is over, get up and go start my day. Be intentional about it. Give yourself space to reflect on things and pull yourself out of the the doing, the constant doing. Just sit with it. And it is so much about freedom. Like I think about what you were saying about the sand dunes and everything. It's like there's the physical freedom, there's the emotional freedom, there's the psychological freedom. And it's like this sense of there's so much more if we give ourselves the space to acknowledge it and embrace it. And for some reason, I feel like as human beings and maybe just the overarching hierarchy of, you know, the power dynamics in the world, I feel like we're just so stifled and we're all just itching to get out and it's time and it needs to change. And everybody's like, we're ready, let us out where we want to go. But until we bring that all together and we unify around that mentality, it takes people like ourselves doing these little bits and pieces and trying to make that change. And hopefully, you know, one domino falls and then the next one falls and we've made something bigger happen out of that. And I find a lot of beauty in the ability to be even just contributing to that in a small way. Mm, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, our minds are such powerful things and we are the master half the time we let it rule us like um you know 90 percent of what's happening in our life or in our world is all in our mind like the reality um is very different and for many of us we're not in touch with things for what they truly are you know like we blow situations up we overthink things we we get anxious we overanalyze and if we just took a step back and realized none of this matters (laughs) You know, I mean, like, honestly, though, <laughs> I think the most equalizing thing you can do um, as a as a pattern breaker is to just stop and think of 
yourself as a camera and you're zooming way, 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 way out. Like you're, uh, you know, a spaceman in a goddamn shuttle and you're looking down at the earth mm-hmm. and you you see people down here like little ants and how insignificant all of that really is. And that's all your problems are, is little ants. So are they such a big problem now? Right. I, I love that. And, you know, you had mentioned sound healing before. And, and mm. so I think there's a lot that comes to mind when I think about that for me. I started listening to like healing frequencies and things like that over the time where I was really trying to find peace in my head and, and my body. And it I honestly don't even remember why I started doing it. I don't remember what it was that I it occurred to me. to to even look for it, but I will have moments where I realize that's just what I need to do. I just need to listen to something that will help bring me back to center and give me a sense of calm or peace or just stillness that you can't get if you are paying attention to everything happening around you. And for a long time, I didn't think that I was capable of meditating, shutting off my brain because there was so much looming anxiety, but it's possible for everyone. It's just a matter of, you said this before, being consistent. So like when you started on that part of your healing journey, getting more into sort of the spiritual side of it, and especially with something like sound healing, was there a moment for you where you felt like, this is changing my perspective and that you maybe had not considered it before, but now this became really viable. Yeah. I think it was the way that I started to be exposed to the spiritual world because I remember the first time I meditated was when I was down in Tasmania. I think it was just after I'd done that sand dune buggy thing. It was like I'd had, you know, um, a life altering experience where you go, Oh, this is who I am now. Yes. Um, <laughs> I remember I did that first meditation. It was just, I just, you know, did a, a, a guided meditation. I listened to it and I just went with the process. I just let go. And I went with the process and I'm like, okay, well, let's give this a go. Cause I'm trying everything else right now. And I remember I've still got a photo somewhere on Instagram where there's a photo of my face after doing it. And I just looked so serene, so calm, so happy. And I was like, well, look at that. And then next thing I knew, um, someone I met from my podcast who asked me to host their show took me to this spiritual lunch thing up on the Sunshine Coast one day. Next thing I know, we're on the floor doing this meditation exercise with this healer. And I'm like, okay, what's this woo-woo shit? (laughs) Now I actually produce and create meditations and have them for millions of people around the world to listen to. And as part of sound healing, the whole thing is that you actually just let go of everything, you breathe, and you work through the energy that's stored and the vibrations and the clearing of your bio field lets you release all the energy that's stored from your past traumas, all this kind of stuff. And it can even be from past lives, from generational trauma, all kinds mm-hmm. of things like that. And I remember... I think it might have been the first session I had. It it became addictive for me, like because it it wasn't in the session so much that the healing happened, but it also happens afterwards. Right. You know, you'll start to get effects, say a day or so afterwards. You might get some energy stored in your 
solar plexus and you're like, oh, this this kind of make me feel a bit sick. I don't know what's going on, but it's things shifting. It's things coming out and you've just got to work through it. And I remembered um, when the energy started to shift, it was almost like if you could imagine these black waves of energy that just sort of was almost just like they waved up and then they just went away. It was almost like when you see in movies when they talk about like a ghost or something like that and it just, you know, it's just this shape-shifting energy. It was like mm-hmm. that. And you you would see colours, you'd see all these different kind of colours and they all mean something. Um, but, yeah, it was just, it was incredible what I learned about myself through that process. It's so cool to hear about it too because I actually had a friend that I used to work with who would talk a lot about spirituality and the way he and his wife would do sound healing and things that I never really had considered. And it's interesting because I really remember being open-minded to it, even though the one part of my brain was like, what is this woo-woo shit, right? It's like we're, we're conditioned to believe that that's not viable. Meanwhile, how many things are actually happening that we're like, that makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And we completely buy into it. That's stupid. So it's like part of me feels like these things have historically not been normalized because it would give us too much collective power. And so mm-hmm. now that we have the visibility into these practices and there's the opportunity for us to connect with people who understand how to use this effectively and can help transform the way we show up in the world and give ourselves and each other more strength it it probably is daunting to the people who've been able to have their thumb on us the entire time because now you're becoming more aware if you're self-aware then you become more observant of those around you and you it really perpetuates and, and expands your sense of knowing and that to me creates what is really an unstoppable force. And and that's what you and I have been talking about since really the moment that we met. And I think about something that you had said around, you know, what can I do with this? The things that happened to us, the good, the bad, the indifferent, what can I do with this? What is my responsibility to do with this? And sometimes that responsibility is for ourselves. Sometimes that responsibility is for others. And sometimes it's for all. And with your podcast and my podcast, I feel like that is really emerging of those moments where you get what you put out there. And I think that this is just such a prime example of that in such a tangible way. It's wanting to understand other people, seeking to understand other people, and in doing so, further understanding yourself. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's almost like it's a thing that we we say in healing is that you can't take someone where you haven't been. How can you help someone through their trauma if you don't understand your own um, and you're not dealing with your own? Definitely. And so it's the same with anything. Like how can we help others if we can't help ourselves? How can we love someone else if we don't love ourselves? You know, it's it all starts with us, and I keep saying this, that we've got to point the finger at ourselves. Any change we want to make, any growth we want to make in this world it all starts with us we are the one in the mirror we are the one we need to be pointing the finger at not someone else so if you had to give advice to anybody who maybe hasn't come to that understanding within themselves that they're still maybe afraid of what it means to confront that because I know I had that moment I remember going into therapy and being like I guess I'm dealing with this now you know (laughs) and 
we're afraid of what it means to expose those parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. What do you think is important for somebody who maybe hasn't yet started on this journey to know about what is possible on the other side if you start it? Look, I think if you can't face yourself, you're going to have a lot of trouble facing someone else. It comes back to something that I keep saying is be the change you want to see. And that we're all too prepared to point the finger at everyone else and that it's their fault. It's not me, you know, like all the shit that's happened in my life. It's them. It's not me. Yeah, I was there too. I was ready to blame everyone else. Well, well, I'm perfect. Well, how dare you blame me, you know? And then when I realized, (laughs) uh, you know what? Hmm, what's the common thread in all of this shit? It's you. It's like this massive realization where you go, oh, and if you can at least stop and see a new perspective about yourself and others, you know, it's it's like our other conversation that we had recently about just taking the time to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Like, how do they see us? How do you want them to see you? And It's really all a reflection of how you see you. It's all connected, you know, like we have to look at ourselves. Absolutely. And if you can't do that, then you're going to keep perpetuating all of this drama, all of this stress, anxiety, pain, trauma. We're not meant to live like that. We can't. You're totally right. And I feel that so deeply on so many levels. I remember having a conversation with my therapist after I had left the marriage that I was in and having her basically ask me the question, how did you contribute to that? And kind of feeling like, the fuck? And the thing is, I was open to exploring that, but your initial reaction is, I mean, by comparison, what did I do? You know? Um, but that's why I think relativity is important, but it's not always really the most relevant thing Mm. because in that relationship, if I had to, you know, keep score, I, I have confidence that I was, um, not trending in the direction of being the person who was creating more chaos, but I wasn't stopping it either. Mm. And there were things that I witnessed that I knew at my core were wrong. There were things that I was doing that showed that I was not using my best judgment. I denied myself my own truth. And in doing that, I also had moments of explosive anger because Mm -hmm. I was being gaslit and I was mad. And it's like, but I also made the choice to stay even though I knew I was being manipulated. So I can sit there and bitch all I want about the fact that this person was horrible to me, but it doesn't change the fact that I in some way contributed to that. And I'm not saying people who have been abused are to blame, but there is still some form of accountability in being in those situations because from my perspective, you see it so much more clearly when you're out of it to be able to say, I understand what I did that kept me in that situation. Yes, there was psychological abuse and that part of it, that can be hard to reconcile because you're kind of like, 
logically I know better, but also there's this part of your brain that it doesn't matter because it's abuse. So you're just, you're inundated with it and you can't separate yourself from that. But when you have the clarity and you look back on it and you're able to say, okay, this is where I didn't love myself enough to acknowledge that I was being lied to and stick with that. I constantly let things slide. And I was like, no, because I wanted to believe that it was different than it was. And I had this moment, Bindi, where I was like, my ex was literally living a double life, literally living mm -hmm. a double life. And I was doing everything I could to convince myself that that wasn't the case. And I look at it now and I think that forced me to live a double life too, because yeah. I was lying to myself the whole fucking time. You are telling my story, sister. <laughs> you definitely are. Like, uh, exactly the same. And in those moments of chaos, all you want is for them to love you, mm -hmm. for them to care, mm -hmm. and for you to have peace yes, and safety and getting the absolute opposite because you're in rescue mode. You're still trying to rescue them, and you're completely sacrificing yourself. Nail on the head because we just had a conversation with another fast friend that I made um, who was talking about her relationships previously and her relationship now. Her and her boyfriend had a very similar sort of weirdly similar meet cute to Nicole and I in some ways. And we were talking about it because she and I have been through some real shit and just having those moments of you're actually considering me. Like you're taking consideration to me. And her boyfriend had said, you know, of course I am. <laughs> I care about you. And I said, no, but I get that because I had to beg to be considered. And even then I wasn't getting it. And I remember a moment where one of my best friends from college said to me, you are asking for the bare minimum and you're not even getting that. And that was honestly a moment where it was like, mm -hmm. I do deserve better. I deserve. And you shouldn't have to ask. No. No. And that is like, honestly, it just like raged through my body. It was like, no, nobody should have to ask for that because you are deserving and you shouldn't have to convince yourself that you're deserving. And you certainly shouldn't have to convince somebody else that you're deserving because if you truly love and care about somebody that is inherent in the relationship mm -hmm. that you have. And that goes for romantic relationships, friendships, parental siblings, any sort of relationship you have respect. Yes. Is something that needs to be present, but you can't demand that of people who aren't willing to give it. And it's hard. I actually said this today. I felt like I didn't respect my ex, but it wasn't that I wasn't respectful to her. It's that I didn't find her respectable. Mm. And even just today, like acknowledging that there's a difference in that. And I was not respected. And so if you don't have that, as just a foundation in a relationship of any kind, then you will constantly battle people to get the bare minimum. And those are the moments where you have to decide, is this where I want to be right now? Is this who I want to be right now? And realize that your worth is so much greater than any external validation you're going to get from somebody anyway. And once you realize that, then those relationships will start to magnetize towards you with the people who actually see that because they want to be part of that. Exactly. And it's a whole different way to learn to interact and have relationships with people if you can just see the other side of it. Like, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, a lot of what we probably experienced was, you know, programmed into us through conditioning, 
through childhood. You know, this is this is how we were taught that things should be. Um, and we then perpetuated that in, in what we did. And it wasn't until we actually learned who we were and how we fit into the equation and, and, and what we want in a relationship and how we can attract that. Mm-hmm that things change. So this, and this is a generational thing as well. I think that happens a lot. Like we can ask ourselves, why does this happen? But it's just that we didn't know any better at the time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a major, major red flag. If you're in a relationship of any kind and you're constantly feeling like you're walking on eggshells or you've got this tension the entire time, that you don't know what's going to come at you next. Like if you listen to this and you're in a relationship like that right now, please exit stage left. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Seriously, it's like I was in a state of such hypervigilance that I didn't know what it felt like to not be waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yes. It's no way to live. And I 100% second what you just said. <laughs> and and it's the hope that conversations like this, if they aren't the moment of realization where you actually can get out, let it sit there, let that park in your brain for a little bit and come back to it because you're going to know. And that's the thing. Do you feel like you viscerally knew the entire time you were in that relationship that it was wrong? Because I definitely felt that. Mm. And other people would be saying to you, what are you, what are you doing? Like, get the fuck out. They could see it without you saying a word. And you're like, oh, no, 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 everything's fine. You know, you just gloss it over, sweep it under the rug, keep moving and make out nothing was wrong. Everything's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. House is on fire. Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? totally. Totally. And and it's interesting too, because I think about how little information I gave to the closest people in my life. And I'm grateful that I had a therapist because at one point it was like everything was crumbling down around me. And that was the only place I was going with a lot of what was happening. And being able to finally open up to people after the fact and like you said with your parents like realizing I have to I have to tell my parents this I have to tell my sister this I have to explain what I've been going through and how bad it's been and then on the flip side of that what I've been really lucky to have in my relationship now is such a massive difference where I don't have to convince anybody of anything because it's real and so I can bring my significant other into a situation without immediately being defensive of the relationship and feeling like I have to justify this. I have to justify it in some way because in doing that, what I realize now in retrospect is very clearly, I was trying to justify it to myself Mm. by justifying it to other people. And it's like, if you're trying to justify it, you're not in the right relationship either. Yep. And you should be able to be your whole self and know that no matter what comes out of your mouth, no matter what you do, everything's going to be fine. Yeah, totally. And they're still going to love you anyway. Exactly. Exactly. And I really love that. I feel like, you know, as we're um, tying up the conversation, because I know you and I could go on forever, we will, we'll have more of these conversations, (laughs) but you know, you're right now, I think really coming into a place of opportunity to be able to share more of your knowledge and understanding of yourself and and people. What are you most excited about that's coming up for you in life right now and and where you are on your journey? What are you looking forward to coming out of these moments that you've been able to heal through? 
well, there's so much as you and I have both discussed, and I think, um, you know, the last five years have been like it's just been a rocket ship, literally. Like it, um, so much has happened that I never thought would happen. But you know, my way of manifesting things, you know, like I'll, I'll like, hmm, how about we do this? Next minute, it's happened. You know, so like just last year, I was like, hmm, so going to go to LA and going to be signed by a Hollywood media company and I'm going to go meet them in Beverly Hills. That all happened. Um, and like just, just my last year has been surreal alone. Um, but looking ahead, there's so much more to come in terms of the impact I want to make, the voice I want to have, um, and also how far that reaches. Um, and you know, you and I've already been, been, uh, in the kitchen cooking a little bit. Yes. So I think <laughs> there's some exciting things to come in that space, which I'm super looking forward to. Um, but you know, I, I think I've told you previously and, and a lot of people laugh at this, but you know, it's been, uh, said for quite some time that, uh, you know, I'm Australia's answer to Ellen. So that's, the thing that keeps bubbling up. So that's, that's on the cards. Uh, and, uh, yeah, just some global domination. Um, and whoever wants to come with me, you know, we ride at dawn. Let's go. <laughs> I love it, Bindi. You've been as always just a bright light in my day and I'm sure for our listeners. And now can you tell people where they can go to listen to your podcast and follow you? Absolutely. The easiest place to find the podcast is you can go to the ethical evolution podcast.com. You can find me pretty much wherever you consume your favorite podcasts, including who the fuck. Um, and uh, you can also find me at ethicalchangeagency.com. We're on all the socials, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. <laughs> so yeah, go and connect with me there. I'd love to chat. Perfect. Well, thanks, Bindi. I can't wait to have more of these conversations with you. And I am very excited for our listeners to share their thoughts on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. It's been beautiful. As always. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Welcome to Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing, relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the City of Angels. My IG, which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Electric Air.